When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here, checking out the series. You know the drill. You like what you see, what you hear, hit that subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists at iTunes and Apple Podcasts. It's Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with you. Get brand new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Three episodes a week. What does that amount to? Well, eventually, on a day like today, it amounts to episode 700. Yes, this is the 700th episode of this series uh, since we started it as a podcast uh, in in the partnership with WFBK and uh, and Consequence of Sound. And uh, I am so excited. Uh, I mean, who it's it's rare we make it to 100, right? So 700. Uh, we're going to we're going to have a celebration. This is a compilation special. Now, on the 600th episode, which was just back in April, we didn't actually do an episode for it. We did do a web post. And what I did was highlighted some of my uh, just favorite interviews thematically and uh, ended up with uh, sort of uh, a lot of my heroes that uh, got big in the 90s. You had uh, folks on there like uh, Sheryl Crow, uh, Maynard from Tool. You had Les Claypool from Primus uh, and, and Shirley Manson from Garbage and, and so on. So it's sort of in that vein, we're going to do thematically an episode here this time sort of putting the camera or or the the microphone as it were on uh on folks that are actors in film and television and most of them uh in this cast also happen to be musicians uh so we're going to be talking to uh, uh jared leto maya hawk jack black kate siegel jamie campbell bauer suki waterhouse and Kiefer sutherland now, all of these interviews have been ran over the past year or so, so you'll be able to find the full interview uh, just by searching around the podcast if you're interested to hear more. But what we're going to hear in this uh, in this uh, episode is just some of my favorite moments from these interviews that have happened over this past year. 
So that's the setup. We have the ground rules. Let's get into this. And we're going to start with Mr. Jared Leto. Now, Jared's been very busy, of course, over the past couple of years uh, shooting uh, Morbius. We got to catch up on the Apple TV Plus series called We Crashed. And what you're hearing in this clip is we get to talk about the, uh, the musicality of the accents he used, not only in We Crash, but also in the film Gucci from uh, 2021. And of course, we get uh, little updates on his band, 30 Seconds to Mars. So here we go, Kyle Meredith with Jared Leto. It's episode 700. I was watching an interview you did with Oscar Isaac, the actor on the actor. Uh, You were talking about how voice leads you into character a lot. And was that the case with this one? Obviously, you have an accent. Uh, I think he was originally Israeli, right? Like, how, how did you approach getting into the inside of him? I mean, great questions. And I, I actually was doing Paolo Gucci and went straight to New York and right into this project. So it was a wild one to, to kind of go 180 like that into this Israeli accent and dialect. And, uh, you know, he had a very particular voice. Thankfully, there's so much material of him. There's so much. I was just buried in material, which was great. Um, and the voice was a key into the character for both of those roles, um, and oftentimes is for me. Uh, the voice is a really powerful um, uh, kind of path into the, the character. And, uh, you know, I had a great team of Israelis that, that around me, so I could hear that voice all the day and working on, I could hear it all, all day and working on accent and the script and we really dove in deep. And it's important to me too is, you know, to do a, a great job, not only for my own self and my own you know um uh just for me but but creatively but um but also you know to 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 pay tribute to the 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 dialect and the culture and the country that i might be doing an accent for you know so i always feel like you know the the least you could do is do your fucking homework and make sure you're you you do the best that you can And, and by the way if you can't do it you need to raise your hand and 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 say hey for some reason, I can't do this. Or someone close to you needs to tell you that, hey, listen, you got to figure something out. Uh, And unfortunately, I had those people that were, were, you know, helping me, guiding me and and pushing me in the right direction. I really, with this project, I got to be honest, man, I I just sacrificed everything in my life to focus on the work at hand. And I was really, it's it's a gift to be able to do that. And uh, I was grateful that I had the opportunity to, and the space and time to do it. You and I talked only once before uh, over a phone interview, and that was for 30 Seconds to Mars doing that last record, the America record. Is there still room for that in your life right now? Are you thinking about that? Because I'm a greedy fan is what I'm getting at. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. And yes, I mean, during during kind of, you know, shutdown, lockdown, whatever you want to call it, I, I really, my brother and I just went to work and we wrote a couple hundred songs. And um, we're going to start releasing music as soon as Morbius comes out. I think we'll, we'll probably put music out in 30 seconds to Mars. We'll be back on the road where we usually are. Um, but it's been hard for, you know, so many, not just the artists, but the people that work at venues, the, the fans. There, You know, so many people that have, like, they love to go to movies and they love to go to concerts. It's in a big part of their life and their escape and how they connect with other people and how they have community, share community. And, you know, there are a lot of local venues, small venues of which I've played at many. 
uh, all over the world that, you know, suffered really badly. So I'm happy for, excited for things to kind of get back and, you know, for people to be able to, to get back to what they love to do. And, and, uh, and hopefully we'll get back to what we love to do and get out there on the road again soon too. And again, that's a clip uh, talking with Jared Leto just earlier this year uh, about We Crashed and the future of 30 Seconds to Mars. Kyle Meredith on this 700th episode special. Now let's turn our attention to Maya Hawk. Now Maya, of course, uh, rose to fame in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, playing Robin in Stranger Things. She was just recently in another Netflix movie uh, called uh, Do Revenge. Uh, we got to catch up right before she had released her newest record called Moss. Uh, it's one of my favorite albums of the year. I was so excited to talk to her about this. Uh, she talks about her influences, and then we draw it back to uh, Stranger Things, which, of course, had one of its biggest seasons this past year, uh, to hear about how maybe her character, Robin, intersects with the real Maya Hawk. So let's do this. It's the 700th episode special, Kyle Meredith with Maya Hawk. I was, I was super inspired by... Um folklore uh and uh in like to the point to which like I started wanting to work with Jonathan Lowe who mixed folklore and who ended up mixing and um this record um as well as the single that I released a little while ago um because especially for mixing like this ability to have have it feel smooth like the idea that you could both run to it and fall asleep to it on an airplane is like how I feel about folklore um, and like, what's so amazing about that record? And I don't necessarily know that we achieved it, but I aspired to achieve that with this record. Was that was that kind of that combination of it being both motivating and moving forward without it being like like the way some pop music that I love, like you, it wakes you up from your nap when it comes up in the playlist, you know. And I didn't want anything to like wake you up in that way. I wanted it all to feel like it could be a part of a dream. And for me, I think I was really using the record I, I was shaking off an old self and old ways of being and old habits that were dying really hard and being like wait maybe I don't have to be the person that I've been trying really hard to be maybe there are other options um but the other options didn't really start coming into play until after the record was done and really the record was like about like oh wow the version of myself that I am right now I hate like I don't like 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 let's like can we kill that person off please and and there are songs in there like like mermaid bar is sort of about like killing off an old version of yourself to build a new one over is about killing off a version of yourself to build a new one bloomed into blue is about that so like in, in a very direct way like there's there's like deaths or almost deaths in all of those songs I know we're probably running short on time and I want to make the obvious transition here to also Stranger Things because that's been a, such a big part. I fucking loved the, the new season. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting as we're talking about, do you find those parallels in, in what Robin's going through at the time too? Because she, this it seems to be a character that puts on the projection of, a projection of being self-assured at the same time as how much does she actually know herself? I mean, are those parallels there as well? I love that you see Robin as being self-assured. Um, I feel like most people see Robin as being like kind of not like insecure and like, or, um, and like kind of rant, like nervous and like silly. I kind of see Robin as being self-assured too. Um, Cause she's just sort of being like, can't really help but be herself. And I think that, and again, this kind of goes back to actually like does look back to the record in that like, I think when I was, 
young, like when I was a kid before puberty and like even in aspects of high school, I, I couldn't help be myself. And there were places where that was punished. Um, like, or I, I experienced it as being punished or discouraged. Um, and that's where you build the false self because you're like, whoa, people not liking my real self is really scary. Um, and like people, so I'm gonna build this like shell to protect myself. And I think that Robin is like both, is sort of in that amazing transition period of having kind of been the true self, the child self is still there. Um, she's, she's really young, but also has the weight of society encroaching in, kind of pressuring her to build a false self. But Robin is so similar to me. I mean, like Robin's almost like a cartoon of me or something like that. It doesn't, I don't feel like I need to like, if I was playing Eddie, like I would listen to tons of like, like metal. Like I would like try to get into that, but I'm playing Robin and like Robin would like Phoebe Bridgers, you know, I don't know. Like Robin, like I, I, I think like I, and so it's like whatever I'm listening to at the moment at the time, like, I don't know, like Robin would like the people I like, I think. And so it's fine is yeah. sort of how I feel. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the, the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A S T E P R O allergy.com. That's A S T E P R O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. 
but nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hey, welcome back. It's the 700th episode special of Kyle Meredith with... And next, we're going to hear from uh, Jack Black. I uh, actually spoke with him and Kyle Gass as Tenacious D about uh, what well, they'd released. They, they'd done an audible version of their uh, biography, of the biography of the band. It's called The Road to Redunction, which is where we got to catch up. And, uh, and here's Jack. Uh, we got to talk about when Tenacious D started. It was such a fertile time in the 90s, not just for weirdness, because there was definitely the weird 90s, but specifically for these comedy rock bands and musicians to become a thing. So that's what we're uh, picking up right here. Kyle Meredith with Jack Black and Kyle Gass. 700th episode special. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. I don't want to say this because it's really cliche, but here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Man. <laughs> you did, you did it with such conviction. Yeah, you that almost hurt yourself. That. There's so much cliche. Oh. But oh, it was God. it seemed like it was in the air during that time. Like um I had Maynard on the show recently and and much like you guys, you know, like Mr. Show, David Cross who you all uh, also run in, in in your story, like is responsible for sort of creating the Pussifer bands, you know, and and then LA scene that had uh, Green Jello in it as well. Like did you feel that there was something in the air? I mean, at least when you look back at it? It was very, it was very punk rock uh, comedy. The the whole scene was uh, exciting, and you know you could feel it bubbling and churning, and and it kind of coincided with with the uh, with the uh, Kurt Cobain and the and the uh, and the movement and music moving away from the uh, industry norms and breaking the rules. It was fun. Oh, man. As far as like music and like funny, uh, like a funny sketch comedy. Uh, band and that kind of thing because I, I, I think i wonder if that's what you're talking about was there something in the air about funny music or like music that mixed comedy and music is that what you're asking it, it really felt like that at the same time yeah yeah like the, the, those type of groups started to exist in that way it definitely felt like there was a space for that and uh i remember telling a friend of mine jenny connor i was like uh hey we got a we got a band i got a, i'm in a band now called tenacious d and it's like com- comedy rock and she was like what Oh my God, that that sounds great. And she was always a tastemaker in high school. And I was like, whoa, if she thinks that sounds great, I think there's some, you know, there because it wasn't uh, really a, a thing that you heard a lot of back in, in that time. So yeah, we kind of, I feel like we, uh, we, we struck while the iron was hot. The 90s, there was that weird gold rush happening where because of Seinfeld, it was like, oh, if you're a halfway decent stand-up comedian, Suddenly, mm. there's this this super speeding pipe shoot that takes you right into <laughs> you have your own hugely successful sitcom, and it was like yeah. everybody was uh, excited about that potential Hollywood connection, and never was it stronger than the the early '90s. Jack Black and Kyle Gath, Tenacious D, talking about the road to redemption. Their uh, Audible 
uh, memoir biography of the band. Kyle Meredith on this 700th episode special. Next, we catch up with Kate Siegel. Kate's been one of my favorite uh, actresses over the past five, six, seven, eight years. <laughs> it feels like it feels like a while now that she's been around, and especially in some of the uh, television shows that she's done with her husband Mike Flanagan, uh, specifically The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass that came out over the um, over the pandemic. That was one of the best ones, and of course they have uh, The Fall of the House of Usher coming up. Uh, we got to talk about a lot of that. Uh, and uh, The Time Traveler's Wife, which she also had a big part in on, on HBO. Uh, but uh, really talking about uh, some of the uh, the screamier moments of Midnight Mass in this 700th episode special, Kyle Meredith with Kate Siegel. So recently it was The Time Traveler's Wife, uh, the book that became a movie that's become a show. And uh, and you, of course, you play the mom of our of our time traveler. Yeah. You know, it's there's a love story. There's meditations on death. There's there's time traveling. So there's some science fiction involved. It's not a horror show, and yet you are still involved with a very bloody death somehow. Like, is it just is it a magnet that you're drawn to, or are they drawn to you? Very early on in my like acting training, I had a teacher tell me once to learn how to cry beautifully. Like now, that's kind of like some bullshit and whatever, <laughs> but. That you know, it seems that like people hire me to either fall in love or die terribly. Like that's what I do. That's it. Like you're looking for someone to die, like tragically. You're gonna get Kate Siegel on the speed dial. One of these days, I'll get to like you know solve a murder or something. I guess it's still murder. God, maybe this is it. Like I just a compass that always points to murder. (laughs) I couldn't bring up Midnight Mass. The scream is one of the greatest screams I think in history. (laughs) In the boat. To be present in a moment like that, to have to deliver that, not just a line, but this guttural emotional thing. Like, is there a place, is there reserve that you still are able to turn to for that kind of a thing? Like, what is that? Uh, we were we were in like deep pandemic, right? And so everyone was terrified and everyone was unsure and we didn't know if the world was over and we didn't know what was going on. And I think I, I was tapping into that sense of screaming into the abyss like what the fuck is it Ooh, am i allowed to curse you are cuss is all you want great i was like what the fuck is this world what is happening and then i did a ton of research about how long it would take a human body to burn in that way and what it would smell like and the different stages of that and i like did a little bit of like getting the pictures like getting some visuals for myself and then I just gave myself the freedom to go there and like see if it what it is in those moments is you have to be kind of unafraid to embarrass yourself because I was like I'm gonna try something and this is the first day of shooting like no this is day one of midnight mass we're in this boat which is not in the ocean it is on like two apple boxes surrounded by green screen i've never met zach before like we did a chemistry read and this is the first day we're working together and we're doing the entire boat scene and so at a certain point i just had to say to him and to michael Fimyari and mike flanagan who you know knows me i was like i'm gonna try something i'm gonna scream excessively long and i'm just gonna keep going until i i wanted that feeling of she was still screaming but there was no more sound left because it takes so long for a body to burn. It takes so long and it smells so confusing. Like there's like- That's a word for it, yeah. 
Yeah, like like pork a little bit, like bacon, and then it's like the burning hair, and then the, his shoes would smell different when they burn the rubber, and just even thinking about it, it feels like I want to scream again yeah. because of insanity, and then the insanity of the fact that the story he told me is the truth, and then Aaron's in shock for pretty much the rest of the show until the gun comes out in the church. Kate Siegel there talking Midnight Mass and one of my favorite interviews of the year. Uh, in fact, uh, head over to the Kyle Meredith with podcast to find the, the entire version of that, uh, either in podcast land or the video on YouTube, uh, because we also got to talk about music and she shares some really fun stories about uh, her days in high school wearing Grateful Dead t-shirts and uh, and growing up on uh, on folks like uh, Ani DeFranco and Alanis and and what she's listening to now that uh, inspires her character in the upcoming fall of the House of Usher. That's on uh, Kyle Meredith with Kate Siegel in the uh, the podcast proper. Now we'll be right back right after this with more from the 700th episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It's the 700th episode special of Kyle Meredith with. And uh, next up in our crew, Jamie Campbell Bauer. Uh, so Jamie's been acting for quite a while and uh, and some folks have been paying attention. But the world really got a taste of who he was when he showed up as Vecna in the latest season of Stranger Things. Uh, not only is he an outstanding actor, but he's an incredible musician as well. Uh, Jamie and I got to talk about both of things, especially how his two worlds intersect, play with each other, inspire each other. Uh, and, uh, and check this one out. It's Kyle Meredith with Jamie Campbell Bauer on this 700th episode special. The story of you, I guess for anybody who doesn't know, like music speaking, not your acting side, but you know, you were in the band Counterfeit, I guess they broke up uh, around the time of the beginning of the pandemic, and that opens the opportunity for you to do uh, a solo run. Did you want it to be the same thing or did it, you automatically say, okay, now this is going to be something different? I didn't go into it wanting it to be anything. I mean, at the end of Counterfeit, I'm, I'm going to be like super honest and open with you. Like, and we said yes to too many things. Um, and so by the end of it, we all felt that we'd lost a part of what made it real for us. And so for me, it was about, yes, continuing because I love art and I love music, but taking a step back and going, well, what is it that I want to talk about? What is it that I want to say? What is it that I believe in? And what are my, what are my references? You know, like, and who am I making this for? Who am I, am I fucking making this for somebody else or am I making this for myself? Like, oh, I'm making this for myself. Oh, okay, great. Well, then the doors are blown wide open because I don't have to fucking worry. So, you know, those first two things that, that, that I put out, start the fire and, and paralyzed, you know, they came at this very, very, very sensitive, emotionally cut open time. And there, there was a real beauty to that. And I was very, I was in a, pro, I was in a place of mass surrender 
and I want to stay in that place of mass surrender for as long as possible. You know, there are singers that on record that, you know, that there are singers that, you know, like technically they're not opera singers, but they're on record doing something that is like, holy shit, like I feel this to my very core. And that's what I'm always after is trying to feel something to its very, very core. As you talk about being an artist overall, not just a musician, not just an actor, but the way it all plays together. Easy, easy parallel here. This type of music, what we're seeing on the screen on Stranger Things. How did you find the voice for Vecna? Because I feel like there's got to be some similarities in what you're doing with with the music. Uh, Because there's a musicality to it, I guess is what I'm saying. There is absolutely a musicality to it. Yeah, no, well done. Um, When I first started looking for Vecna's voice, I was very like, it was quite nasally. It was placed, you know, in the soft palette up the top. It, it, it was the idea of what a monster voice should be. And I was saying, no, this isn't working. This doesn't work for me. I don't, it, I don't believe this. I don't feel it enough. We'll keep going and you'll figure it out. So then it was about relaxing, letting the larynx open, letting the diaphragm do the work that it needs to do, knowing the character well enough to be able to let whatever's inside out. So I would do vocal exercises and vocal warm-ups, you know, humming whilst gently tapping the diaphragm to kind of release everything and warm everything up. And you can hear now, like, when I'm super relaxed, my voice is much deeper. And when I'm not super relaxed, my voice is much more up here. But in saying that, obviously, with Henry, with one, the way he's interacting with, with Millie, you know, he's dealing with a child. And when we deal with children, there is that sort of, like, there's that sort of, oh, my God, look at the baby. The baby's beautiful. Oh, I love, it. you know, and I was like, well, that obviously makes perfect sense. Like, that's great. But for Vecna, I was like, I've got to be more, you know, down here in this register. Um, and when we're in that register, when I'm in that register, it's often when I'm it's often when I'm being most truthful, when I'm most connected. Yeah. Jamie Campbell Bauer talking Stranger Things and his latest single drops. Uh, really fun conversation. Hoping to have another one with him sooner than later uh, the next time that he uh, he drops some uh, new singles. Kyle Meredith on this 700th episode special. Now let's pass the mic to Suki Waterhouse. Uh, not only did Suki drop a great new record uh, this year called I Can't Let Go, as well as the Milk Teeth EP that came soon afterward, uh, but she's going to be starring in the upcoming uh, uh, television adaptation of Daisy Jones and the Six. And that's where we got to pick up this, talking about her influences and what uh, or how she got to prepare for that uh, television show as well. Uh, Suki Waterhouse on this 700th episode special of Kyle Meredith With. I've heard you talk in other interviews, just even about your musical heroes. You and I have a lot of very similar tastes, it sounds like, when you name check folks like Fiona Apple and Sharon Van Etten and Amy Mann and Lucinda Williams. My God, I, I, I love Lucinda Williams like how is she referenced on this record because it's not immediately obvious in the songs first of all yeah lucinda williams is my absolute idol and she's like her some of the way that she would write it was it it was it's like i found myself wanting to recreate in my own life like things i'd heard through her lyrics like there are certain lines like like when i slept in the blue behind your eyelids and you know like things like that that would like stay with me much longer and it would kind of be like a a voice that would would that that follows you around like the the way that she 
speaks and and the way that she like I don't know yeah that fills your entire mind like long after you've li listened to the song and Sharon Van Etten too has always been like a yeah a, a, ma a massive inspiration and that and like I think like like you were saying like the way she's able to be funny one of my favorite lines from Sharon Van Etten is like you know like that song and every time the song comes up where she talks about like doing someone's dishes but taking a I don't know if you can say the See, word. I knew exactly what you were going to go for there right, too. As soon as you said. <laughs> Taking a poop in your Oh, you can say shit. It's fine. It's a, you, you know. Can? Okay. Okay. <laughs> you said it, not me. Let's talk about you on the, on the piano then, because I, you know, I've heard with uh, one of your, uh, your upcoming projects, uh, Daisy Jones and the Six, right? That you had to learn piano. Yeah. Well, I've been, I've been on the B3 organ. It, it's, it's funny, like how, how things are like weirdly kind of matched up at the same time. Cause we've been shooting Daisy Jones which is an amazing book by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which um, kind of documents like the rise and fall of a, of a band in the 70s. The keyboardist, I play Karen Serko. So we kind of, yeah, around, around like the beginning of like March 2020 is when we were about to start, we were kind of rehearsing to start shooting. And, um, and then that didn't happen. We got delayed and I just moved a I went back to London and moved an entire B3 organ into my apartment and was in, it was the best time. Cause it was like, okay, you've got, you're going to do three hours a day. And they, they, we've had piano lessons and guitar lessons and Blake Mills has written all the, the music for the show. So like some of my classmates have like literally learned how to play side guitar like Blake Mills, like, do you know all of the parts? Like they've been really given a huge gift like they're like whoa we, we can do this now but you know yeah because we we got so much longer so it was great to have that kind of like um yeah that three hours a day and by the end I was like you know playing like Bach and all this kind of crazy stuff so with that uh, and I haven't read the book I, I everyone tells me this book is amazing and the show is going to be amazing but this has it's the 70s is that right right yeah so what it's was it 70s. like Oh, yeah, I was gonna say, just gonna say, what was it like, you know, really digging into that era and, and like engulfing yourself uh, in that, yeah, that era of rock? There's obviously so much to, to kind of, I mean, I, I love, I, I do like love 70s rock. Like I'm, I love like, I'm one of my favorite bands always been like the Alessi Brothers. Um, there's a song called Seabird. Like I've, I've managed, I've, it's been great to kind of like get that whole, um, get that whole 70s playlist going and like the the fashion is obviously really fun and I think what's cool like when people see the show is that they actually have been I think we really created like it's it's not just kind of going like oh here's everything cliche about the 70s let's just like throw it on them I think because we had because we have Blake Mills create the music like he really he actually like kind of created our own kind of 70s sound and it like doesn't actually sound exactly like anyone else which is like really fantastic suki waterhouse talking daisy jones and the six and her lp i can't let go we'll be right back and with Kiefer sutherland next on this 700th episode special of kyle meredith with Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. 
to keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back. We're going to close out this 700th episode special of Kyle Meredith with with my conversation with uh, with Kiefer Sutherland. This happened at the beginning of 2022. He had just put out his latest record called Bloor Streets, uh, one of the streets where he grew up on up in uh, up in Canada, where he was also uh, doing some filming for a little while. So, again, it's another great instance of where two careers of film and uh, of music kind of collide, as with so many of the artists on this uh, special does. So I'm going to pass it over to Kiefer now here on the 700th episode special of Kyle Meredith With. Well, a lot of talk has been said about County Jail Gate, which... I was thinking about when like Johnny Cash doing Shel Silverstein's uh, 25 Minutes to Go, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. how did you it's... approach that one? Because it does have that classic story style to it. Well, I'll tell you, I, w- I was watching a movie at home and the opening of the movie was a man getting out of prison and they did it really well. And the gates started to open and the screeching of the metal and then the buzzer started going and the lights started flashing. And I had a visceral reaction, like I got nauseous. And I looked at the TV, I was by myself and I went, man, there ain't no sound I learned to hate more than the sound of the county jail gate. And a white bulb went off and went, wow, I like that. Off went the TV and I went to the kitchen island and started writing that song because it's true. I, I hate that sound. And, and the reason why is, is, first of all, you've made a really dumb mistake to be in this position in the first place. But when you hear that, that's it. It's done. There's no going back. There's no saying sorry. There's no, you know, you're going inside. This is going to happen. And whatever jokes and kind of way you kind of tried to toss it off your shoulder or whatever, that's all over. (laughs) This is the moment where you go, I hope I don't get in trouble here. And, you know, pull my boots up and uh, try not to look anybody in the eye and kind of mind my P's and Q's. You go through a list of like, how to get your crap together really seriously. And even now I'm laughing about it, but I'm laughing out of a kind of sense of embarrassment and, and absolute humility. I mean, for real, that moment, those moments, and I've gone to jail a few times, you just, you're so cross and angry with yourself that you've allowed yourself to do something so stupid and, and, and lazy, like a thousand different choices could have made that not happen. Right. And I'm not, and I don't care whether I'm talking about, you know, a drinking incident or a fighting incident, but there's a thousand ways to have avoided those situations. And it's pure laziness to not have. And so I wrote the song about that. And, and just this, there's a line in it that I really love wasted times. What's on my mind. Cause this ain't no way to live. You know, by the time you start singing that to yourself, you're angry, you know, and not at anybody else. This isn't anybody's fault. This is all you. And so uh, for me, it was important to write that because that's the process of beginning to kind of move past it. Uh, And I wasn't aware of that until I'd finished it. So now I'm completely ready to get in trouble again. (laughs) Good luck on that. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah. Um, so, so bridging, you know, your two careers when I, when I was listening to the record and, and you know, your other records too, which, you know, we've enjoyed here at WFPK in Louisville since Thank you've been you. putting those out, you know, and you found your style, what it sounds like, as you've talked about this Americana, you know, sometimes country and looking at your roles, do, do you find that you like those type of roles in the same way that you fall towards this type of music? Like, like recently, in the past few years, he did Forsaken, but of course, all the way back to Young Guns, when we think about, you know, the type of music that, that mm-hmm. fits with these movies. Well, you know, the sad thing for me, you know, and, and 
acting is the great love of my life and this will be something as long as they let me do I will be doing till I die you know to, as long as they let me um, but you don't get the choice right you know 24 was something that I absolutely loved doing the gift of a lifetime for an actor uh, and I love that character. When 24 ended, it, it didn't mean that I could just immediately go into something that was kind of in the same genre. And, and, and because that the development process of that takes years and, and having the right writers and all. So it's not like being able to sit down and write a song and, and say, well, this is kind of what I'm into and this is what I want to sound like. I'm in control of that, uh, which I find ironic given that, you know, I started music so late, but I'm in control of the way I want to sound and I'm in control of what I write and I'm in control of how I want that presented. The acting thing, there's a lot, you know, even, even though I've been, you know, relatively successful, there is a lot out of my control. You know, it's, it's like going to the grocery store, you know, on, on a Sunday, not the best day to get your produce, right. <laughs> you know, but sometimes you got to go on Sunday. Whereas songwriting to me is like, you got your farm you know, and you just pick when it's ready to, when it's ready to pick and you go forward like that. It's, and there's something very liberating about that. But yeah, I mean, I think for every actor, if, if they could start just doing what they kind of were moved by spiritually and kind of creatively, the landscape of film, film and television would be very different. That's Kiefer Sutherland talking about his album, uh, Bloor Streets, and uh, some of his uh, iconic acting roles as well. Thanks to Kiefer Sutherland and all of my guests today, also including Suki Waterhouse, Jamie Campbell Bauer, Kate Siegel, Jack Black, Maya Hawk, and Jared Leto. But most importantly, of course, thanks to you. Uh, we wouldn't have gotten to 700 episodes if you hadn't been listening. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And remember, uh, all of these, because it was a clip show, you can find every single one of these interviews uh, within the Kyle Meredith with podcast. So make sure you subscribe. Again, you'll get three brand new interviews every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at all the usual spots, including iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify and Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And then after that, head over to WFPK.org. It's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all three of them. At Kyle Meredith is the address. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.